You are listening to a message by Refuge Community Church. Refuge exists to glorify God by making disciples that shape their communities with the love of Jesus. In case you didn't notice, we don't have lyrics. Our iPad is not working. This is totally appropriate for this week. I don't know if, you know, we have ice storms. We got water boil problems. You know, we've got uh, notices. We've got... All kinds of things happening this week. And, and for myself alone, I mean, man, uh, my week has been insane. Uh, oh, in case you don't know who I am, I'm Sean Seguin. I'm one of the pastors here. And um, Josh was not able to make it. He, he happened to have uh, some tested positive for COVID, guys. I'm so sorry. It's, see, it's happening. Uh, but, man, uh, so here we are. But this has been an insane week. I mean, an insane week, not just the norm for for us but like some of you know uh that you know on tuesday our one-year-old had surgery to have like tumors removed from her and they had a a biopsy and we were praying like we that we wouldn't need chemo for our one-year-old daughter you know uh and praise god we don't uh so those of you who are like not sure what happened yes we don't yeah no chemo needed um and but what i want to i just wanted to just kind of just say thank you to everyone because I know a lot of you checked in with us. We're praying with us and praying for us, and and even we were gifted, you know, um, a, a lot of, with a lot of help, uh, HEB gift cards and stuff. Thank you to the Coopers for driving all that stuff out and giving us some pizza for the night too. So we've just been so blessed and so taken care of in the middle of absolute chaos, and so. Uh, and, and here we are also trying to figure out like, okay, I'm going to be preaching this week and I've got to, I'm, I'm processing some of this stuff as well and trying like thinking through. And what, what we, uh, what we did was we're doing this as a standalone sermon, working through Psalm 23. This wasn't one of those sermons I had in my back pocket that I was like, Hey everybody, I'm going to like pull out my good stuff here since, uh, I didn't have enough time to prepare, but I want to show off my, uh, my best, uh, preaching skills. This isn't that. This is me going, hey, I need this, uh, this verse this week, <laughs> and uh, I hope that it's, it's as helpful for you as it, as it is for me. Um, and so we're, we're diving into this idea of trusting God, um, and I think really that's what we see is this attitude of trust, this leaning into God that, that we see from the psalmist here in, in Psalm 23. Um, and so yeah, that's the title of my sermon today, Trusting God. Um, I want to be clear, though, uh, that, that every uh, psalms are poetry, um, and I think sometimes you might be able to, you, we, we find ourselves clinging on to little statements and going, this is theological, you know, this is my doctrine, and we have to be careful about what that, what that with the psalms, because these are, these are poetry. They're intended for David to be able to cry out of his heart the, whatever he's feeling in, in hyperbole and all kinds, you know, extremes, and sometimes he says things that you're like, ah, no, no, that's not true. That's not right. And, and you're like, whoa, that's, be careful. But there's other times where maybe you look at it, you know, and you're like, uh, you, you see him talking in here. We're going to get into this a bit. You see him talking in here about like God's guiding me through all this stuff. And you start to ask the question, well, does that mean that God uh, made this thing happen? You know, did, and so it can, it can be difficult. But as we look at this stuff, thank you. Uh, as we look at this and understand this, this is a, a person crying out to God. We, we can stop and take our step back and we can go, okay, Instead of looking to this and to, to just pull out orthodoxy, you know, we look at this and we say, how can we have, like, 
proper orthopraxy, proper, proper practice. How do we have a relationship with God like David had a relationship with God? I think the Psalms give us much more about that than they do about exact doctrinal statements. You know, you get that in, in Scripture for sure, and you can pull doctrine out of Psalms, uh, but the point here is for us to lean in to the pain of David and to the joy of David and to the trust of David and for us to participate with him in this orthopraxy, you know, like to do this thing well. And so I hope that as we go away today, we, we leave not necessarily with a whole bunch more concepts uh, that we can fathom, but maybe that we begin to pray a little bit more like this, that maybe we begin to think uh, uh, that we begin to live into this a bit more. Um, and so today I'm going to be uh, kind of di- dividing this up into, into three things. I like to do three. I think it's helpful, memorable. Um, but that's not like necessarily how David intended this to be divided up. Uh, but I think it's, it's a helpful way of, of kind of dividing this out. And, and we're going to be looking at trusting God in the good, trusting God in the bad, and trusting God in the unknown. Trusting God in the good, trusting God in the bad, and trusting God in the unknown. And I think we see David doing this throughout this verse, it, through his prayer and, and the way that he, he interacts with God. We're going to go ahead and, and jump into this, trusting God in the good. We're going to look at verses 1 through 3, Psalm 23, verses 1 through 3. The Lord is my shepherd, I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside quiet waters, he renews my life. He leads me along the path, right paths for his name's sake. David was a shepherd in the beginning part of his life. David knows what it's like to lead and care for sheep. David gets it. Um, So David can connect deeply with this idea of a shepherd leading. For him, this this is much more deeply connected than it could be for us who have not led sheep. I don't know about you, I have not had a herd of sheep that I have had to fight off, uh, you know, lions and bears and wolves to protect, and I have not had to go off, leave the 99 and find the one. I have not had to deal with those things, but David had experienced these things. And so when he begins to pray this prayer, he's praying from the heart that he has of his, his past of caring for his sheep. And maybe you have something or someone that you have cared for deeply, and maybe you can connect in that way a little bit more. But for David, though, he's, he's, he's processing this thing that he's like, I have, I have done all of these things for my sheep. And I, when I lead them to these green pastures, I lead them there for their good. They have no clue why I'm doing what I'm doing. They're not sitting there going, he's going he's gonna to take care of me. He's, it's all good. Like, they're just kind of like going along. And every now and then when they start to stray, get, kind of getting poked, you know, and getting pushed back in line. And, and like, okay, I'm, I'm going to go along with it, you know. But David is going, as a person who was a shepherd, I can look at God as my shepherd, but as a sheep who understands that he has my good in mind. And, and so David is sitting there going, man, this green grass these pastors, this is, this is for him, he's able to, he's able to take it and, and be truly thankful. As he thinks about all the good things in his life, David can see the hand of God, not his own ability that led him there. David isn't looking at his, his becoming king as his own doing or something that happened because of his own strength. When he fought Goliath, he saw it as God's victory, not his. 
In fact, in the most luxurious and comfortable places, David can only see himself arriving there by God's loving leadership down the right paths and the moments of rescue that God offered. And keep in mind that David uh, was an extremely successful king, very, very rich, won many battles, defeated many enemies, made the kingdom rich, unified two kingdoms, made them, you know, they came together under, under his rule. We're talking, we're talking about ultimate success, and he's, he's in the greenest pastures you can imagine, comfort and luxury that you, can, that you can't even fathom. And he's looking and he's going, this pasture is not a pasture of my own. This is a pasture that God led me to. This, this, this uh, kingdom that I'm running is not my own, but it is, it is the green grass. It is that calm water that God has given me. And I, I think it's just so beautiful that he's able to see all of his success as, as something that God has led him to. And who does this, right? Like, I don't, I don't do this well. We don't do this well. Oftentimes, uh, we, can, we can look at our own successes when we finally... Um, I don't know, buy our own, our first home. You're like, I did it, you know? And you feel really proud of yourself and there's nothing wrong with it. Like, it's okay, we can be proud that we did, we, we uh, bought our first home, whatever. Um, or I got that job, you know? Or I've, I finally, you know, made it to the top of the, the totem pole, whatever. We, we can look at these things and it can be very easy for us to then feel that sense of pride because we have accomplished something. And David is sitting at the top of the totem pole of the entire nation and he's saying this is this is not because of me this is because of God this is because this is a man who has trusted in God all along and so even in the good times trusting in God what that looks like for him is saying this wasn't me this was God this grass this green grass this this easy life right now this is not because of anything that I've done it's because of what God has done for me Trusting God in the good is oftentimes not as easy as it sounds. Oftentimes we find ourselves, again, being prideful and taking credit for things, not turning to God and saying thank you. Oftentimes when we are in our best place, we're not turning to God to talk to him at all. We, many of us don't pray until we're in a bad situation, you know what I mean? But David understands the practice of leaning on him, on God, and, and trusting in God in all things. This had me thinking a little bit uh, about uh, a small scene from uh, an old movie from the eighty from the eighties from eighty eight, uh, The Land Before Time. Anybody saw The Land Before Time? Yeah, what's up? Not the two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. None of those. The first one. Um, the first one. Now, I had a video clip for you, which I never do. Sorry, it, I was, someone said, you should show it on your phone, you know, it's like, no, we can't do that. Uh, but I, I'll just, I'll describe the scene, and forgive me if uh, it's not as great as, as their acting, because they were wonderful little actors uh, and actresses. Um, so many of you may remember um, this, there's a scene in, this, in, the, in the movie where they're looking for food, there's dead trees everywhere, and they finally come across food, Littlefoot. The, the main character, uh, he, he, the long neck. He's with his, uh, his little herd of all kinds of different uh, dinosaurs, and they work their way to this tree. They find this tree. They, like, find a way to get up. They get all these leaves down. They're all excited, but there's one little dinosaur, and she's just being a little jerk, you know. Uh, her name is Sarah, okay? Uh, spelled C-E-R-A, which triceratops, huh? Uh, in case you didn't know that. Um, yeah, Sarah 
is just kind of mean and grumpy, but they kind of like, they're like so friendly and loving. They're like, come on. And she's like, I'm going to get my own food, you know. Uh, I don't know if I did justice to that. But uh, here she's like looking up at the tree. And so she's like, I'm going to do it on my own. And so she starts ramming this tree with her horns, you know. And, you know, nothing's going to happen. Nothing's shaking or anything. And Littlefoot goes over and gets some of his leaves out of his pile and pours them on when she hits the tree, right. Uh, and, and she looks around, and she's like, I did it. I did it. And she, like, grabs her leaves, and she's eating, and she walks away, and she's like, I'm doing it on my own. And she's really annoying. Um, don't be a Sarah. I mean, that's, that's really the point of this. Don't be a Sarah. Oftentimes, like, God's provision, he's just, like, casting. He's like, you're working so hard right now. Let me help you out, little guy. You know, you've been leaning. You've been trying on your own so, so hard. Let me, let me give you something here. And oftentimes, we can take that little bit of success and go, I'm doing it on my own. You know, we think we've got it all figured out on our own. And, and all the while, every bit of that provision was from God. Every bit of your sustenance comes from God. We find ourselves doing this even in the good. Even when we get good gifts, we find ourselves going, look what I was able to do. Look what I was able to accomplish. And here we see David saying, you know, in the midst of, in the midst of vast luxury, God has led me to this green pasture and beside these still waters. And I'm able to survive and thrive because of who he is and what he has done for me. He's a good shepherd who cares about me deeply. I could have done this on my own. Putting himself in the place of the sheep that's just kind of like following, you know, wherever he's kind of going, you know, wherever the shepherd's going. I mean, what a strange thing for a king to do. You know, it's strange enough for the, him to originally have been a, a shepherd, to be to come from such lowly beginnings, but then to identify himself as a sheep. It's so humble and so beautiful. Now, um, I, I want us to keep in mind as we, as we think through this that, that, again, we're not talking about perfect uh, uh, doctrine, orthodoxy here. Um, it's possible that you have, run, uh, you have run from God's leading and you found yourself in a comfortable place, right? It's possible that you, that I think we can run. And I think he allows that. He gives us space for that. And, and that you ended up in a, splay, a place that you feel comfortable for the moment. I should warn you that that comfort's not going to last very long. I mean, like, you're going to realize really soon that you're doing this on your own and it's a struggle. And so it, I think sometimes when we're reading, we're reading this psalm, we're like, yes, you know, we're sheep. He's the shepherd. And everywhere I go, he's just every step of the way making us go every step of the way. But I think there's room for us to, 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 to wander. And he gives us that room to wander. And then he draws us back in. Um, and so you may be in a comfortable place right now, and maybe you haven't spent any time trusting in God and relying on God and leaning on God. And maybe you're a lot more like Sarah where you think you're doing it on your own when in reality God's still kind of like, here you go, let me help you a little bit here. Uh, you're struggling. Isn't it beautiful that we are able to do that? That there's grace for that? That God is able to, that he is like, I'm big enough to handle that. I'm there to walk with you, even when you think you're in good green pastures and actually you've led yourself to a really, really dangerous place. I'm here for you, and I love you. All you have to do is turn to me at any moment, you know. 
And so I think there's, there's just that beauty in, in the goodness of God that we can look at him and say, you know what? He is such a good shepherd that even when we stray, even when we wander, he's still going to come after. He's going to leave the 99 and come find us, right? He's going to come and get us and bring us back. And I would encourage you, wherever you're at, whether you have been leaning and trusting on God and you're following in the right path or you've strayed or whatever, wherever you're at, turn to him now. Thank him now for, his, for sustaining you for this long and, and enter into that relationship more deeply. Trust in him more again and again. But when, uh, when all things are good, trusting God looks a lot more like humility and recognition of God's provision, I think, uh, than, than just simply like, you, it's hard to imagine like trusting in God when things are going well, but like it really is simply just that recognition. Um, and so, um, so while we, we ought to trust in God, in, in, in God and in the good, we also need to think about trusting God in the bad though, right? When, when those difficult times come. And this is often what we think about when we think about trusting in God. Um, we're in verse four and five, we're gonna read. It says this, even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Imagine being a sheep in a herd. You have just been led through the greenest fields on the most beautiful hilltops, and you're coming down from the mountain to find a dark valley. Darkness means enemies are everywhere. Uh, Potential enemies are everywhere. Valley means that you no longer have the high ground. You're vulnerable, you are an herbivore, and you could be devoured at any moment. And right as you set your eyes on the dark valley, you start to leave the herd and try to head for higher ground. You, you want to go back to the bright place that had all the lush grass. And right then you feel a sharp pain in your side that jolts you and forces you back in line. But you also, but you're still frightened. And a few moments later, you, you try to run for it again. You feel the tug of a large hook pulling you back. And by the time you get back in line, you are already in the valley. You hear wolves howling and you are very nervous, you know. Your shepherd stops right in the middle of the, of the valley as if you're going to be able to eat with, his, with, uh, with this fear in your heart. Like, how are you going to stop here and graze? But then you look up and see your shepherd with the same instrument that poked you and the other one that pulled you and you begin to feel comforted because you know that he has fought off many wild beasts with those instruments. And somehow you find enough peace to stop and eat right there. As David considers the worst possible scenarios he has faced or could ever face, he doesn't see this as God uh, just leaving him alone. The, dark, uh, the darkest valley, the potential dangers, and even when surrounded by enemies, David sees God leading him and present. While no sheep would actually feel comfortable by a, a shepherd's rod and staff, I don't think, uh, David views God's gentle and rough at times, uh, redirecting as loving and caring. David also sees how these instruments have been used to keep predators from eating the sheep and 
identifies God as doing the same for him in times when he was on the run and hiding from enemies. And how do you deal with dark valleys and those painful proddings and pullings that force you uh, in a different direction you had planned to go? When you find yourself uh, people-pleasing because deep down inside, you fear the dark valley of loneliness. When you find yourself cheating a little on your taxes because you fear the valley of financial instability or simply losing some comfort you hoped to keep or obtain. When, when, when life is chaotic and you try to gain control by forcing your children to act a certain way. You know, those dark, chaotic valleys, they're hard. They're difficult. You go through, we go through difficult things all the time. But God is present in those places, in the chaos, in the darkness, in the insecurity, in the fear that we have, he is present. When you're in those dark valleys, take time to find the food that God may be inviting you to eat. That's what I would encourage you to do. Maybe something as simple as teaching you to let go of control and give it to God or to see the simple things in life, simply having your basic needs met as blessings from God. Or maybe uh, to recognize the presence of your shepherd in the midst of your deepest fears. I want to be careful. Again, I, I don't believe God is always responsible for leading you into these dark valleys. I think sometimes we run, right? Sometimes we jet and we try to get our, do things our own way. But while sometimes God knows you need to go through these valleys to get uh, to greener pastures, sometimes dark valleys are a natural consequence of running, doing your own thing. And we put ourselves in those dangerous situations. But oftentimes, life is just chaotic. There's a reality that life is chaos oftentimes. Things don't go as planned. One-year-olds have tumors. You know, I mean, like, these things happen. Horrific and unjust things happen in this world. Many good and even faithful believers have lost loved ones to natural disasters and diseases. And I'm not going to sit here and say that uh, my baby, who was born, she was born with cancer originally, is still dealing with, uh, and who's still dealing with these follow-up surgeries to remove these tumors, that, that all this is the work of God in her life making these things happen. I, I don't think that that's what's happening. I don't think this, this valley that my daughter is experiencing is God going, here's your tumors and here's... I think life is chaotic because sin entered this world, obviously. Sin exists in this world and broke it apart at the very fabrics, uh, of the very fabric of what it is. And so we're going to go through chaotic times. And sometimes it's not, you know, God is not doing something just to scare you. Sometimes God is like, look, I'm present with you in the midst of this darkness. So much so that we have a shepherd that faced the most, the, the darkest moment that every human faces, which is death. We have a shepherd who was willing to enter into the darkest brokenness of this world and say, I am present even in death. How beautiful is it that we have a shepherd that loves us so deeply? No, he's not going to rescue us from every valley in this life. 
It's not always gonna happen. Sometimes bad things happen to good people. And yet Christ promises his presence in the midst of those things. And on the other, other side of this world, there is, there is justice to come. We talked about that last week. We can, we can rest assured that God's not gonna leave the injustices as injustices, but he's going to make all things right in the end. He's going to redeem all things. But in this present world with sin and brokenness, he promises to be present. He enters the brokenness. He becomes flesh, a breakable thing, even gives his body to be broken for us so that we can partake in his death. I mean, do you realize if you think that you're the only one going through chaos and brokenness in this world and you're just like, where has God been? Know that God went there. He went there. And he's holding you and he's with you all, the, all along the way. And he, you're going to come out the other side with him. His resurrection is proof of that. The darkness and the brokenness comes to an end for those who place their trust in Christ Jesus. He is a good shepherd who even in the darkest valleys, whether he has created those valleys or he has walked with you through them and entered into those places with you, no matter what, there, there, he is going to take you through them, whether it's in this life or it's in the next. There will be justice brought upon us, justice brought to this world. And we can rest in that. We can rest that our shepherd is good. I think sometimes it's hard. It's hard to, to say that, you know, God is good in the midst of these kinds of situations, in the midst of your darkest moments, where you can look and you can go, where was God when this happened? Where was God when... When I was four years old, no one was watching out for me, you know. Where was God in, in this moment? We can look at, at these, these, these situations in our life and ask this question. And I can promise you that Christ entered those darkest places, that he is present with you. And as, as scary and as difficult as it is, he didn't promise to take away all the problems, but he does promise to be present and he will redeem all things. So we have a shepherd that isn't just going to, uh, you know, be like, okay, there's the valley over there. I'm God, so I can't really get into that mess. Go ahead, you know. He goes with us. And I think, you know, the comfort that comes from that for me is, is just phenomenal to know that he's present with me in, in my brokenness. So as we trust in God and the good, uh, it keeps us humble. As we trust in God and the bad, it leads us through. But, as we, um, but, but we even need to trust God in the unknown. And we're in verse 6 now. Only God, uh, only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. I love David's confidence in the, about the future. I mean... He's like, it's going to be awesome, <laughs> you know. Uh, he views the faithful love and goodness of God as pursuing and chasing him down for the rest of his life. The future is something unknown, though. David doesn't know what the future is going to look like. He doesn't know if he's going to be uh, murdered by one of his enemies, you know. He doesn't know uh, if he's, he doesn't know, have any clue if his kingdom's going to go into ruin because of a famine that hits. You know, he doesn't know what's next, and yet he can look at God and say, 
goodness and faithful love will pursue me, you know, and he can say, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, this, this, is, this is the kind of trust that he has about what is to come. And so I think, I think we could look at it and be like, well, he, he's just, you know, he's just super confident that God's just going to make everything A-OK and be perfect and we're never going to have the, no more valleys. And it's, no, that's not what David's doing. It's not what David's doing. He knows that God is going to be present in the midst of all things. And I think that brings him rest. That brings him comfort. David has recognized uh, God as the one who provided, who's trusted, and he's trusted in God when times were hard and have been, and have seen things turn out well. And he can trust that God will continue to do what he has always done. Somehow, whether he is sitting on the throne or hiding in a cave, David sees himself as firmly planted in the house of the Lord. This isn't a a, a physical structure, you know. Um, Yes, he loves the temple or the tabernacle. The temple hadn't been built yet. He loves the tabernacle, loves to be in God's presence. But he's talking about somehow being in the presence of God every step of the way, no matter where he's at, that that he's present in, in God, there with God. Um, Whether David is in the valley or on the mountain, he sees himself as surrounded by God's presence. Uh, there's, there's something, and it's so beautiful about this, that David sees himself, he's, he's like, I don't care, you know, what's coming, if I'm going to be hiding in a cave again or, or whatever. I'm happy to be with, with God. There's something beautiful about this. And actually reminds me of, uh, of the movie The Greatest Showman. Has anybody seen that movie? That's... Um, it's a it, yeah. You've got Wolverine in it. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, Hugh Jackman. You got Hugh Jackman, and um, I forget the the his his wife's his wife's name is Charity. He's playing uh, P. T. Barnum, um, and Phineas is is his name in the in, in the as a character. But his wife is, you know comes up in, with with a lot of means. Lots of she's rich, um, and he grows up with nothing. He ends up. Like saying, I'm going to have something amazing. He's got huge dreams. For him, for Phineas, it's all about like one day life's going to be incredible. And I'm going to make the the world know who I am. And I'm going to be richer than anybody could ever imagine. Like for him, that's what his his dream is. But for Charity, it's different. For Charity, it's about him. It's about being with him. And there's that that song, A Million Dreams. And he's going on and on about all these things he's going to create and how wonderful it's going to be. And she responds in her part of the song. She says, however big, however small, let me be part of it all. Share your dreams with me. You may be right, you may be wrong, but say that you'll bring me along to the world you see, to the the world I close my eyes to see, to the world uh, I close my eyes to see. Um, For her, it doesn't matter if Phineas ends up being the richest man ever. For her, it's, I just love this man, and I want to be with him, no matter where he goes. There's a sense of, like, that's all that matters. And I think David is in this place where he's like, God, much better than Phineas, you know, not, a, not a, like a man who's chasing after riches, but a God who's actually uh, after our own good and his own glory, you know, who is going to make all things right, a God who knows how to do all things, a God who is worthy of being trusted in in this way. We can look to him and we can just go with him. And this is what David sees himself as, like pursuing God no matter what. 
And, and so for him, the future is unknown. No matter how big it may seem, no matter how grand his future may be or how low it goes, he's there to be with God. That's all he wants. And so for him, trusting God in the unknown is to say, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. The same prayer that Christ prayed in the garden. And, and the same thing we can pray to God. I mean, man, how often have I prayed for healings for people? And, and, I, and, I, and I have to hand that back to God and say, but it's up to you, Lord. This is yours. It's not up to me. I'm not the one who does the healing. I'm going to trust you with this. How many times have things just not gone the way I expected? And when things, if, when you're looking to God to get, just fix your problems, what's going to happen is eventually he's not going to fix the problem you think needs to be fixed, and you will, uh, you will stop following because in reality, you weren't ever really following him. You were following your own dream. You were following your own thing that you wanted. And here we see David saying, no, 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 you need to, I'm going to follow God no matter what that looks like. I trust that goodness and mercy will follow me, but that goodness and that mercy, he's not looking at it and expecting it to be just perfect, you know, days all the time. But But the blessing of being near his shepherd, but the blessing of being near his God. We can trust God in the unknown and we can, we can trust him wherever we are going and trusting God in the unknown should bring peace where, uh, where fear once ruled. Trusting God in the unknown should bring peace where fear once ruled. That's, I think that's what we see in David. And we see David, David's called a man after God's own heart, you know. This is, this is a, a man who clearly is like, I'll identify with the sheep. I'll be a sheep. And I'll just go wherever you say, God. I'll go through that valley. It looks horrible. I'll go there. I know you're going to be with me. And the good thing is, I know you're going to protect me while I'm there. I'll be okay. I know that goodness and blessings and mer- these things are going to follow me wherever I go. They may not look like I think they should look, but I trust that whatever those blessings are are going to be what you need me to have, what you want me to have. And then on the other end, I'm, I get to be with you. All the days of my life, we're going to go up and down these hills. We're going to go down by rivers, and we're going to experience. We may, I may experience drought. I may experience horrible things, but you're going to be present all all along the way, and that's all I want. This is what it looks like to trust God. I'm going to close with this: trusting God is actually the basis of our salvation. Right, as we trust Christ in His death and His resurrection. And follow him as disciples. Uh, we follow him through difficult places, but, we, uh, but only in following Christ are we guaranteed uh, to make it through those places. Maybe not in this world, right, but in the world to come. We find eternal life even here and now, though. We get tastes of it here and now as we trust in him. So trust in God in the good and keep your hearts humble. Trust in God in the bad to be led through to the other side and trust God in the unknown to gain peace that surpasses all understanding. I'm going to go ahead and pray, and, uh, and we're going to have a time of communion here. God, thank you so much that you are a good and loving shepherd, that you care for us. Even when it seems like we have nothing of value to offer you, for some reason you deeply love us. 
You continue to pour out your blessings upon us. You continue to walk with us through those dark valleys. And sometimes it doesn't look like what we want. Rescue doesn't always look like what we want. But God, you are present. Teach us to trust you, to lean into you every step of the way. Forgive us when we fall short in that. Help us to to return to you if we have run. And God, continue to uh, just move us into deeper levels of intimacy and communion with you. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening. We hope this message encourages you and strengthens your faith. 